with beer. Welcome, podcast kittens, to another episode of mm, Cut, Cut with, with Beer. I'm Lady Bear. She's Kathy Cat, and today we have a very, very special guest with us. The one and only Mr. Nicholas Pettis. What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes! <laughs> Do your cutest introduction. Do a cute. Aha! Nicholas oh, Pettis is this! Oh, Minasan konnichiwa, Nicholas Pettis this! Yes! <laughs> that was beautiful. This is fantastic. Nicholas <clears throat> Pettis yeah. is, is for the, the, the fight fans amongst <clears throat> us, the martial artists. This man is fight royalty in Japan, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is, we have uh, the Sussex family of the world. World of martial arts right here in the studio. I can feel we the excitement. Have. You're popping my earballs again. My eyeballs and my earballs. <laughs> <laughs> you look like the Queen of Siam today. This is beautiful, by the way. I you thought very, we have a nice. champion here, oh. so I kind of want to like at least impress a little bit with the, with some kind of gold in there. There needed to be some gold. It does look very pretty. You look like Thank you look you. amazing. You look incredible. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, my friend. Yes. Oh my god! So just gonna jump right into that? Yeah, yeah. right in. Tell us all about you. Where does one start? I was born in Greece. Okay. Yeah. So are you 100% Greek? <laughs> that was uh, an interesting place no. to start. <laughs> when we went from fight royalty to us, well, I was born in Greece. You know, <laughs> trust right. me, they'll connect it. All right. I'll put it together somehow. What is like your like your um, elevator pitch when you're in the elevator and you need to introduce yourself, who you are and what you do? I don't have one. Oh, okay. what? Okay. I, have a, I recently had an article done in the Tokyo Weekender. Good. Which is a four-page color page. It's out there now, right now. Good, good, good. good. And uh, a friend of mine just texted me. And said, he works for high up in a very big company in Japan. He's like, dude, this is your calling card. If anyone ever asks you, just send that to them. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh, okay, cool. It had some cool photos. It had some really Great. condensed story. But who I am, <clears throat> I am uh, I'm known in Japan and the rest of the world as the Blue-Eyed Samurai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. Why, why are you samurai. known as that? Apart from the fact that you have blue eyes, why are you known as the blue eyed samurai? They're kind of green. <laughs> green, blue, it's they're close enough. Um, but no, why? Why? It's a good question. <clears throat> well, let me just go back. I was born in Greece and to an American dad, Danish mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and he passed away when I was very young. And then I grew up in Denmark because my mom's Danish. At 14 years old, here it comes. Now it's putting it all go. together. Here we go. Trust me on this one. Bear with me. Uh, I was at a party with some, you know, other teenagers. And uh, this kid came over to me while I was trying to open my, my bicycle up on my way home and just a soccer ball kicked me in the head. <gasps> uh, he just, I just remember this foot coming smack right in my face and I was like, what? I like, that's like that flight or fight mode. Like hmm. some people, they just start fighting for that. <laughs> yeah. I had absolutely no clue what the hell was happening. So I just, I, I just didn't know what to do. I remember him trying to knee me in the face and trying to like, you know, like literally pound me. So I, I, I bolted. Um, ran across big street. Luckily, I didn't get hit by a car. And then, you know, I, I was hiding in someone's garden. I just remember being scared shitless. I was lying there and my heart was pounding. And I was like, I just, I couldn't understand the reality of what had just happened. Mm-hmm. As I'm lying there thinking that, God, if, if someone comes and, and he, he catches me again, what do I do? Um, and I came to the conclusion. And this is like the pivotal point of why I'm today known as the Blue Samurai. It starts right there at that point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to start karate and get strong. Mm, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I was 14, and I joined the Kyokushin Dojo in Denmark. Cool. And uh, I freaking loved it, like, for real. I was absolutely hooked on it. Uh, I was a bit chubby kid, and you know, I, was, I was, you know, a little bit teased when I was a kid because I was chubbier. I was a chubby kid, too. We were literally talking <laughs> yes. about that in the last episode. Yeah. Yes, I went from chubby kid to taekwondo. You went to karate, okay? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chubby, well, yeah, because I got my ass kicked, but yeah. Um, no, but chubby was kind of always a complex thing. <laughs> <and, clears throat> 
And uh, I think within the first six months of starting karate, I'd like dropped like 12, 16 kilos Good. or something. I Good. was skinny. Like I got skinny. And then, you know, the training started to toughen you up. Yeah. And I was going to the dojo. I was so committed to this. And the funny thing is, there's no real there's no real goal in what it means to become strong. Mm. There's no real like measurement. It's not yeah, there's no now I've made it. It's yeah. just it's an ongoing process. And karate is kinda cool because you could get your belts, right? You start as a white belt, you yeah. get blue belt, and you think, Oh yeah, I get stripe on my blue belt. Yeah. You, know, you get a yellow belt and you wanna get rid of that yellow belt as fast as possible because it's ugly. <laughs> you know, and then you get to the green belt, it's like, yeah, now I'm in the darker colors, right? Uh-huh. So about two and a half years into that, I am already a brown belt. Cool. I, I was wow. I was fast. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And then um so just quickly, just for yep. anyone who's not a martial arts nerd paying attention, uh, Kyokushin Karate, which is what what Nicholas trained, which is what we're talking about, is like the hardest, most violent style of karate that there is. There's, oh. a, it's full, <laughs> the competition is full contact. There's a lot of getting kicked in the head. There's a lot of knockouts, and the training is brutal. Please continue, sir. Oh, sorry, so like so this you just true. mentioned, it's very, it's the hardest type of karate, which means. There's sometimes some some martial arts types in which you're not allowed to do certain things. Like well, you're not allowed to kick someone. There's in soft the face. martial arts. There's hard martial arts. Like mm. Tai Chi is a soft martial art, for instance, mm. where there's no contact or fluid and so forth. Mm. Whereas Kyokushin Karate is the opposite of that. It's all contact all the time. Wow. Mm. We're officially the first uh, karate style to have full contact uh, competition rules. There you go. Mm-hmm. So and and then there was a big hype about this. Um, <laughs> here it comes. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this together again. But the person who made this style known as, you know, God Hand or Masoyama, mm. um, was quite the character. <laughs> he traveled the world around and to prove that his style was the strongest, he would like fight bulls and chop their horns off. Whoa! Uh, legend what? says, now, I, and I believe it because I'm a direct, you know, pupil of the pure, man. I'm like pure blood bred one. <clears throat> I studied under him for three years. Um, and so I believe it, uh, you know, and, and legend says that he killed and defeated 46 bulls. 46 bulls. One time he got he got jabbed in the rib by one of the bulls and he was he was bedridden for 6 months and he he almost died. Really? True story. Yeah. Hey, I jabbed by the bull as he took a, took a took a horn. Yeah, like oh he, like flipped him around and stuff. I don't Wait. think he defeated that one. Why did <laughs> Yeah, that pro- not probably that one. Did the bull yeah. stop at that jab or did they trample on him and so forth? Well, you know, they've got the bull, you know, the guys with the flags that run around and yeah. like distract the bulls and stuff like that. Oh, so okay. I guess, you know, they got the roadies I think they're called. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they came so to get them out of there, yeah. But I'm sorry. I yeah. interrupted your story so hang on you get kicked in the head you train hard there's no limit to what it means to become strong you go through your belts and now you're brown belt so this guy then stands there uh, and you know we're, we're lifting weights in, in the gym and we got a little weight area so i was lifting weights and the guy comes over and say hey uh you're always here at the dojo man you're, you're nuts man why why are you always here and i said i don't know I, I love it i'm hooked on it and this is mr oyama yeah? no 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 this is just some random guy in denmark oh, okay. and i'm 17 years old okay and the guy goes you're training like those uchideshis in japan and I was like, what's that? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, the Uchideshis are Sosais. Sosai is his title. Masoyama's uh, personal students All right. that live in what they call the Wakajishiryo, which is the Young Lions dormitory. And they live there for a thousand days and dedicate oh. themselves purely to the master. And oh, this, this, this bell just went off in my head and I was like, just get me, excuse me, he's still alive? 
<laughs> because I was like, Odo, we only have two black and white photos of, of Masoyama yes. on the wall. I thought this was like hundreds of yeah. years ago. Yeah. This is before the internet. There's no way of getting information. You go to the dojo. It's not like your sensei sits you down and says, look, I'm going to tell you about Masoyama today. Mm. It doesn't happen, right? Mm. So when, And the guy goes, what do you mean he's still alive? Of course he's still alive. There's lots of guys down there training when I'm living with him. And I was like, that's it. I went home to my mom that night. And I said, <clears throat> and I said look. I got to quit school and save up money because I got to go to Japan now. Wow, you quit Whoa. school. Yeah, wow, that's dedication. That is dedication. So, yeah, I dropped out of high school uh, and I started working and saving up money. I saved up for money for a year. And just after I turned 18, on March 27, 1991, I landed in uh, Narita Airport. Oh, wow, 91. Yeah. Wow, had you studied Japanese when you got here? Uh, <laughs> I had this, uh, so my sensei had lived in Japan a little bit. So, you know, before they got CDs, they, they had yes. tapes. Yeah. Decks, <laughs> tape decks, right? Yeah. So you had this speed learning tape deck from back in the 80s or something like that. So he gave me this tape deck and it goes, you know, Nihongo no Hatsun, Daiichibu, A, I, U. And it goes all the way down, right? So I'm learning Japanese pronunciation and I thought I needed to learn what that said in the beginning. So I I kept rewinding that tape and going, you know, so I learned how to say Nihongo no Hatsun, Daiichibu. And that's it. You turn up at the dojo, Nihongo no Hatsun, Daiichibu. Well, I knew us, right? I knew us. Yeah, us, of course. Right. Did you know the names of the techniques in Japanese? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, like cool. Maigiri, Chuzanski, Jordanski. Okay, so you could train because you knew you could communicate in terms of training. Yeah, well, no, I mean, there is only one word when you're a student or Uchidishi. That's us. Yeah, sure. So whatever the sensei says, that's what you do. Yeah. And even, you're, you know, we're in a dorm, 16 kids, teenagers, like, sleeping, like, side by side, you know, in the dorm. And it's like, your senpai is your year above you or two years above you. And they're gods. Whatever they do or tell you to do, you have to do it. Yeah. You know, they walk into the room, you stand up. Even if it's in the middle of the night, it doesn't matter. Mm. They'll come and kick you, you know, if you're not, like, fast enough and stuff. Really? Whoa. So it was... Um, it was very brutal hierarchy system, yeah. uh, something I, I was completely not, like, expecting. I, I mean, I came because of Sosai. You know, the first time I met Sosai, I'm, like, you know, shaved head, 18 years old, skinny. I was 72 kilos back then. Oh, wow. And I'm uh, waiting in the dojo downstairs, and then he calls me up to his office, and she's sitting behind his office, right? And I go in, and my senpai's yelling at me to tell him, and I'm like, what? <laughs> All I heard was us, right? And he's like, yeah, you got to ex- excuse yourself for coming into the room, right? Uh-huh. And so I'm like, us, us. I told him, anyway, we stepped into the room, and I go, us. And then Sosai sits over there behind the office office desk, right? And like slowly as a bear, he crawls up, just, whoa. Welcome to Tokyo. <laughs> and I just, I lost it. Like, I, I don't know. Have you ever met someone that you, you just are so inspired by that when they're actually in front of you, you start shaking? I couldn't stop shaking. It, it was incredible feeling. I've never felt ever like that again, ever. He comes over, shakes my hand, and it's just like this a rock of a hand, right? Yeah. And I'm a skinny little kid, 18 years old, and I'm just so excited. And he pots my head, he goes, Oh, young boy. (laughs) (laughs) Young boy. (laughs) Came all the way. Yeah. So training back home and training in Japan, I'm sure there were lots of differences there. Uh, So all the basic techniques, all the kata, all the forms and and whatever it is, it's all the same. That's like going to McDonald's, to be honest. Anyone can teach you these basics. They're pretty simple. I think there's 46 basic techniques that you learn. And then there's a couple of variations of that. Then you can learn the kata. And with a couple of years, you know, of training, anyone gets good foundation for that. Um, but it's like saying, you know, in Japan, they have 100 ramen shops that open up every day and 100 ramen shops that fail. That's as hard as the business statistics on, on ramen, a good ramen shop is. 
And the same with karate. We can give you the ingredients to make a ramen. We yeah. can give you the, the basic techniques. But if you don't know how to make your own food, yeah, see <laughs> or if you don't know how to make your own art out of it, then you'll never get any better than what the techniques are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sosai, or Masawayama, um, we trained with him four times a week when I was with Tudeshi, when he, was, he passed away straight after I, I graduated. So he's gone now, may he rest in peace. Um, but um, he never taught us anything fancy, ever. But I swear, it was like being in a room with someone where you just you would you you're just gonna get stronger just by breathing the same air. Mm-hmm. Like I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. If he's like, go do your best in a tournament, you're like, I'm, I will die for you in a tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so, when yeah. samurai comes in. Yeah, the samurai right. part <laughs> of it comes in. So yeah. tell us about tell us about the training. It's Kyokushin has the reputation of there's a lot of you know hitting each other. There's a lot of getting hard and sort of it kind of seems to me like the. The attitude of Kyokushin mm. is one of, you know, when someone attacks you, you can block if you want, but you can also just be so hard that they punch <laughs> you and it doesn't affect you. Well, <laughs> I just want to clarify one thing before we get into this. There's no punching to the face in Kyokushin. That is not, that's correct. Yeah, so, I mean, so it's not, we, we bare, bare knuckle. So um, when we when we fight in tournaments, there's no shin guards. There's no no protection except a falco, but you can't hit to the face, but you can kick to the face. Um, so from the neck down, we condition ourselves. Like literally, we, we use body hard, you know, medicine balls to hit the body in the stomach. We, we use hands where we hit each other. So we'll be hitting each other constantly back and forth. And then at some certain point, you get to the to a level where you learn how to absorb the punches. Yeah. Uh, but that's also because your body has been conditioned to take yeah. them. And then at one point, you get to another level where it's like pride. And it's like, yeah. And we got these where we hit each other like like back and forth like this yeah. to see who can stand the longest. Cool. And I never lost that one. Good, man. Whoa, That's sounds awesome. Sounds like the stuff out of anime that you <laughs> yeah. absorb the punches. What That's even? Awesome. That's awesome. Kick, like, kick each uh, other in the legs. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. You probably see the Kung Fu Master movies, the Drunken Master, the Suiken, the old movies with Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah, so he, you remember when he's hanging upside down and he's mm-hmm. got like cups of water and he has to put it up there by doing sit-ups and then he takes the buckets and pours them over well we pretty much did stuff like that <laughs> whoa okay tell us more about some training techniques oh like something that out of the movies you did uh, that thing that big baseball bat looking thing where you turn around your head you did all that kind of those uh that's more dental do you like a okinawa style karate okay. they do that um and i actually feel that we kind of got cheated a little bit in that sense because there's so much that i learned later on in life that the the ryukyu the the okinawa styles karate which are the original forms hmm. basically which then kyokushin has been derived from and gotten into what it is today um i, I feel that the, a lot of the training they do because they they literally and this is crazy we don't do that in kyokushin but we should uh the makiba training for example yes You'll you'll have a bag of sand or or, or you know a, a board that has got wrapped around with like string and stuff, and you'll you'll hit that you know to, to like make your knuckles condition your knuckles to become like rocks, mm. and then you'll practice that by breaking rocks and, and chopping wood and doing all oh. these things. Yeah, we used to kick baseball bats and big blocks of ice oh. and all these crazy things that we could find ourselves to break. But in Okinawa, they're really into this. It is it is a part of the training in class is a where you like you condition your body. And when the first time I went down to Okinawa and I saw Okinawa style karate. I was like, these guys are like showing me there. I'm looking at their fingers and hands, and I'm thinking, what's going on there, right? <laughs> and then the guy goes, right? He goes, he does this right? with his fingers straight, and he and he hits right with his like his like straight, yeah, just middle fingers. finger, straight, straight fingers like this. And then he teaches him. He's an old sensei. He teaches me. He said, look, this is the difference between the Okinawa styles and you know conventional sports karate styles that he called kyokushin. And he says because we will kinigo <laughs> chiru. 
That's what he said. The word like says, shigiru. Your, yeah. Your he will literally be able to rip your, your, like, your larynx out or like, literally use his fingers and, and toes and elbows and stuff to like completely destroy you. So I was like, yeah, okay, this just takes it to another level. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> that's where like all the karate derives from is what you said, like the base yeah. of Okinawa. Well, so it be it was, and it, the reason for, and this is quite interesting, like uh, the reason why they couldn't close their hands because a closed fist was considered a weapon. Mm. It still is even today. But if you... <laughs> You poke someone with your fingers. <laughs> yes, yeah, poke right. someone, you'll be all right. Well, I just poked the guy. Right. His muscles well. carved themselves. I don't know what happened. Um, it's true. It's crazy. So, all right. So now, so tell us, how did you start competing? Um, so very early on, uh, I got, I took my black belt in one year in Japan. I started over Man. as a white belt because when Sosai first oh. met me, he's like, you know, you got to train hard in Japan. Okay. And he's just like, yeah. And then he says, you should try go to black belt for, in one year, second and in, in the second year and cool. then third. Normally this takes a process that takes about eight, nine years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I man. did that. I pretty much did that. Except for the third year, I had a broken leg and I didn't go for the third then, but I did it like the following year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I trained really hard. So. And then I think it was my second year in Japan um, where a friend of mine, uh, Judd Reed, I don't know if you know him. Oh, yeah. He's an Australian guy. Oh. Um, he was one year above me, ends up being the first foreigner ever to graduate from this program, by the way. And then I become the last because Solsai passes away. Mm. Um, but he fought in a tournament somewhere. I don't know. He got invited somewhere. He used to be the Australian lightweight, heavy, uh, lightweight champion. Mm. And um, he fought in a tournament, won it. And then all these branch chiefs from all over Japan, like uh, specifically one down in Shizuoka, well, had his eyes on me. And cool. he's like, hey, Judd and, and Nick, they should come and fight in my tournament. Cool. So he calls up Sosa and says, yeah, you, you know, I want your boys to come down. We'll pay for the tickets. Um, so we got on a train one afternoon or one morning and then uh, drove down to Shizuoka we and we fought. And uh, I ended up winning that tournament. Good man. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And so and that the, the, your, your competition career then developed and you found yourself... 22 years old, I was the European heavyweight champion. Amazing. Wow. Congratulations, sir. All uh, right, so then you went back to Denmark, you fought as well. Well, see, I wanted to compete in the world championships. Uh-huh, okay. So in Kyokushin, the world championships only once for every four years. Okay. And so uh, to qualify the, for that, I had to compete in Denmark. Okay. And it's a bit of, it's, I'm not going to get into details, but Sosai passes away right after yeah. my graduation. And then Kyokushin as a, as a big, you know, umbrella organization that spans 127 countries all over the world mm. is now in a turmoil because people are like, okay, who's going to be the next leader? What's going on? Mm. Um, anyway, I go back to Denmark and because of this, uh, that's also I passed away, the ripple effect had, had, had led to the organization in Denmark being a complete mess. Mm. And uh, I go back and I wanted to compete and, and win the Danish title to get to get to fight in the world tournament. Um, And then I'm like, okay, well, what do I do now? And then my sensei says, well, you know, in May, <laughs> we've got the European Championships. Okay. And I was like, oh, my God. I go from being not a champion, I mean, small local champion in Japan, to, to like fighting in the European heavyweights, right? And I'm like, this is going to be interesting. So you skipped the Denmark Championships because it was all chaos? They had, no, they had canceled the tournament. I got mm. there and they canceled the tournament. So I'm like, yeah, okay. I stayed in Denmark for a couple of months. Uh, I trained up until that, that day in, in, in May, which was randomly on my mom's birthday. Oh. And, Happy um, birthday, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I basically knocked everyone out and won the tournament. It was great. Good Woo! man. Good man. That's Way excellent. Way to go. Yeah. Right. So now, and then, how'd you find yourself in the K1? 
Ah, so, uh, K1. We, for those who don't know what it is, what mm. is the K1? <laughs> this is such a martial arts nerd out conversation. <laughs> Poor Kathy is stuck between the two of us. <laughs> See her kind of doing <laughs> this. Poor girl. I'm trying I'm sorry, to follow. And hey, there might be more people listening. So what is K1? Uh, you want to explain so what K1 there's is? A, there's a European Championship, the World Championship, and then there's K1. No, no, no. They're not directly connected like that. K1 okay. is a uh, very famous kickboxing competition. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we come from world tournament, Europe current tournament, and, and then maybe aiming for world to suddenly K1? Like, where's what is the Because K1 is a different sport. We're not a karate. Yeah, that's Completely what I'm wondering. Sport, yeah. like, why, why are we shifting Just to, to help you out on that one. So I finished fifth in the world. Ooh. I finished fifth in the world of the world yeah. championships. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Very Thank impressive. you. I wanted to have okay, a link so to sorry. that. Sorry. <laughs> European championship, you knock everyone out. Yeah. World championship, yeah. fifth in the world. Yeah. Very impressive. A couple of years go by, not so many, I think one or two years. And that time, there was a very famous um, mo- former Kyokushin karate, uh, also European champion called Andy Hoog. Andy Hoog! Yeah. Axe kick. <laughs> and Andy Hoog, he was my absolute hero. I looked up to this guy like nothing else. So when I won the European Championships, I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm as in karate, I'm the same as Andy Hoog now. Andy Hoog had placed second in the world tournament once. I came fifth, so I was like, I'm pretty close. Anyway, long story short, K1 calls us up to, to Kyokushin and says, yeah, we want three boys. We want Francisco Filio and we want um, Glauber Fetos and we want Nicholas Pettis to come fight in K1. Ooh. Awesome, that's fantastic. But it's kickboxing. So, Punching to be very clear, yeah. I've now spent 50, more than 10 years yeah. <laughs> on, on not punching people in the face mm. and not getting punched in the face. And in Kyokushin, if someone touches your, your face with a foot, that is like the biggest like insult you can ever have. Okay. So oh, right, right. I have I can remember the times I've been kicked in the head in 20, 25 years of karate. Really? Yeah. Really? And, and kickboxing is something completely different because the first day you put on a pair of gloves, someone smacks you in the face, you of get course. a nose blood, and it's just like, oh, my God. It's like like literally American football and soccer. Yes. It's that different. Yeah, it's, it's mm. very different. Yeah. So you have trained all your reflexes and everything, knowing no one's going to punch you in the face or kick you in the face, and now you're actually going to somewhere where that is the sport. Yeah. How did you train for that? So I quit karate, and I, I went to America, uh, and I, stayed, I trained in a Muay Thai gym for, for six months, and then I went to boxing during that time too. So I literally like had to reinvent myself. Mm. I used what I had. My kicks were good. Um, so, so I stuck with that, and they, they still worked. Um, but it's like putting them together and also getting comfortable with having defense and stuff. And I, I'll be honest. I walked into the first fight against Stefan Leko, and I got knocked out in the second round. Really? Mm. And I didn't fight in K1 for two years after that. Really? I wasn't ready. Mm. I, I, like, I wasn't ready. Yeah. And so I had to I had to spend that two years. I literally like said, okay, well, what what does one do if one wants to like study something, right? Uh, you go back to school. <laughs> yeah. You go back to school and you, you go back to basics and you got to learn the basics. So I started like in a class that you would start in, mm-hmm. in a kickboxing gym. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do they do? What they tell you to hold your hands up, mm-hmm. <laughs> jab, mm-hmm. one, two, three. And so, you know, they teach you the basic <laughs> of the footworks and everything. And then. Of course, I pick up on things very f- much faster than like a complete beginner would be doing. Um, and I got pretty good at it. Um, so talking about uh, when that started to be good, in 2001, I got offered to uh, to fight in the, the Japan uh, K1 Grand Prix. Awesome. And, uh, okay. Yeah. And so... So you're back to Japan now. Yeah, no. So in, in, during this time, I'm able to fly out and train overseas uh, and come back. And so my, my life had changed a lot. There was a lot of money coming in. 
Oh, good. Uh, they were paying really well back in the day. Even oh, I made good cash. Good. So yeah, that generation fighters got yeah. a lot of money. Huh? Yeah, good, good, it was yeah. great. I make more than I made more back then as a beginner kickboxer in K1 than the champions do today. So it's wow, nuts. okay, times have changed. Yeah. Um, so, so I was traveling a lot, but anyway, I got I got invited to fight in it, and uh, Musashi, who was the favorite, um, he's also from another karate organization. Musashi's a kickboxing legend, ladies and gentlemen. He's an absolute legend. He really like yeah carved his name in in that industry very well, yeah. but he was also uh, not very popular. <laughs> oh. Right, uh, because his fighting style was uh, he was not as physically strong as the as the foreign fighters, and so he had to come up with some kind of strategy that would work for him. Mm. And a lot of his fights were a lot of evasion and a lot of you know outboxing, a lot of not so much confrontation, mm. and so uh, but he kept winning. <laughs> I mean, Floyd Mayweather gets a similar criticism, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, you want to see him, like, biff it out, right? Yeah. But, I mean, he literally said in an interview, I remember this very village, yeah, I'm not fighting for you, I'm fighting for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 anyway, we had, um, we had been uh, scheduled to fight twice, and the first time he said he had an injury and pulled out, and then um, someone told me that uh, one of the other fighters, I think it was Sam Greco, actually, he's like, oh, Nick, he's not injured, he was sparring in the gym last night. I was like, what? Uh, Seriously? Anyway, that happened once, and then the second time it happened, and again, I heard the same stories. Like, no, he was sparring in the gym yesterday. Uh, I was just like, this. Anyway, I got to the tournament, and um, we had to draw numbers, and we all drew numbers. He got into the A block, and I was like, yeah, fuck it. If I want to, I'm going to fight him. I'm going to go in, in the final. I don't want to fight him somewhere, okay. you know, in the first or second round. Uh, so I, I took the B block. So we were furthest away. So if we had to fight, it would be in the final for the title. Cool. And you made it to the title. Yeah, I uh, knocked my first guy down, Good. knocked my second guy down, Good. and then in the final, uh, go up against Musashi. It was a very long fight. It was a fantastic fight, to be honest. Um, I've heard, and I don't know if it's true, but I heard that the fight took 48% in ratings that year. Wow. Great. Good. Congratulations. Yeah, so that was really awesome. The TV, yeah, TV, they absolutely loved this. Was on the fight on New Year's Eve, yeah? Was it no, this was uh, no, this was before the New Year's okay. Eve shows were started. Okay. Uh, but then, in the final, we get three rounds, and it's a draw. Oh! <laughs> And the good thing is, though, in a in a in a in the sense that it's a draw, you get an extension, so you okay. get another round. So in, in the in the last round, or not, there's actually up to two extensions when it's a title fight. But that one extra round that I got, I kind of knew that if I if if I hit him because I'd been training in Holland and the sensei over in Holland, um, uh, Johan Vos said, look, he can take one punch, he can take two punches, he's good enough to take three punches. But if you hit him with one punch, don't stop until he drops. Okay. So I remembered that, and I was like, okay, if I hit him with something good. Uh, I, I'm just gonna okay, go on. fire on him. Yeah. yeah. So there's like 20 seconds left of the fight, and I and I and I caught him with one, and it's like this is it, this is it. Go cool, awesome. <laughs> and I just went for it, and he falls over the edge a little bit, and so I, it didn't knock knock him out, but it was a standing eight count. Uh, so I became the the K1 Japan Grand Prix champion. Congratulations, that's amazing, man. Oh my gosh, I was amazing. so emotionally invested in this story. That was so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mouth opened for the later half of the story, and I just went, "Wow!" Is that what I thought you were trying to ask a question? No, I no, was no, like, no, oh, no. I was no, like, okay. I was like invested in it. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome, that man. YouTube, That's awesome. I'm gonna go look up your fight. I'm sorry, well, I, just, yeah, I, I haven't see seen, I haven't too. seen the fight with Musashi. Yeah. Now I will. That's oh. fantastic. I actually have one that I comment on on my my channel called oh, yeah? the, the Tokyo. Oh, cool. Show. I'll check okay. it out. Yeah, yeah. So we'll link it in the thingamajig or something. How did your life change after that? Okay, so that 48% in ratings yeah. was nuts because from going to being <clears throat> Nicholas Pettis, suddenly I was Nicholas Pettis yeah. in the sense and 
this is not the same. Like I now couldn't walk down the street. Yes. You know, you seeing kids there over there in, in the park playing, and they go, "Whoa, Nicolas Petrosu, Kakatotosh!" Like this, and so they're like <laughs> mimicking me. I said, "I was like, this is crazy." That's awesome. It's crazy. You're a superstar. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It really was. Um, <clears throat> with it came lots of money. Good. Uh, and fame and um, all of the above. Good times. What that comes with. Yeah, good I times. Had, uh, yeah, it's a, had good, a good time. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, the funny Excellent. thing is, because I remember, I remember I just said that he wasn't so popular. Yeah. All right. So after the tournament, you know, me and, you know, the guys that we're training with, we went out to Roppongi to get, you know, get. Have a nice time. Have, you know, have some drinks and have some fun. And, you know, mm. anyway. Enjoy your lives, as it were. Yes. It was nuts, man. We went to, must have gone to at least 20 different bars. And any bar we walked in, it was just like, get that man some champagne. Ah, <laughs> that's a highlight. That's hilarious, uh, man. Yeah. That's so good. And then, okay, yeah. so then from, okay, so now you're superstar, Nick, Nick Pettis, Nicholas Pettis. And uh, what happened? You kept fighting, yeah? You're the champion. You have to keep fighting. Right. That's, I mean, that's the logical thing mm. to do, right? You fought the, the monster dude with the giant face, Kim, 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 Kim thingamajig. Yeah, just so you fought a t- Kim the guy Kim. who's Kim 217 Kim. centimeters tall. Listen to this, though. Before I fight him, in 2002, I kick a guy on the shin and I snap my own shin in half. Oh, oh no. God. That's what uh, Addison Silva did, huh? Yeah, same thing, same oh, thing. Oh, mate. That's like the worst injury available in martial arts. I'll tell you why it's the worst. videos of this in slow motion. <laughs> and there'll be there'll be a kick, and as the as the legs coming back, you see the shin go blip blip blip. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. It's that oh, rubber no. around it's the place. rubber rubber. Oh, mate, I remember awful. seeing that and putting my foot down on the mat, and this, the shin started going oh. that way. <laughs> and I was just like, Ugh. anyway, this is where I became stupid famous for something else I did in Japan. <laughs> as I'm lying there on the mat, I realized that I snapped my. It, it sounded like this. Oh, oh no! Right? And then I'm lying on the mat, and I'm like. In Japanese, I'm saying, I broke my leg, I broke my leg. <laughs> the referee comes over to me and says, don't talk. And I was like, no, no, I broke my leg. I actually broke my leg. And some of my friends are like, oh, dude, you're so Japanese. Like, in the most traumatic moment of your life, you're speaking in Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's actually a yeah. good point. Right. I broke it, I broke it. Yeah. In it's interesting to me that you're not going, ah! You have words to I say. I was completely moment. like, get a doctor, I broke my leg. Yeah, uh, so it took me, yeah, it took me five years five or six years before I got to fight against Kim Jong-un. Okay. So how long did it take you to first heal that shit yeah, heal and that. then train again? The worst injury like available. Which, how much percentage of that was healing? How much percentage of that was training? Of those so five years? back in the day, they didn't have the same same operation they do today. They, they drill um, down your, your, your knee <sighs> and put a, a stick inside it and they put some bolts in it. It was what they did in the back in the Yeah, day. they still do that. It's, this is the safest way to do it. And so that's fine. So well, then eventually it takes them about six to eight months before they can pull out the bolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want, you can pull out the stick. I didn't. I just left it in there. I didn't want to go through another operation, basically. So you got a stick in your leg right now. So yeah. whenever you go to the, the airport chicken, it goes beep. Yeah, but that's also because I got two replaced hips. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, wow. Robot man, keep going. All right. <laughs> Let's not get to the hips. <laughs> anyway... Um, so yeah, so then they, they took it out. They took the bolts out, and I started kicking the bag. And I was good to kick the bag, and I felt comfortable. And about ten months after the operation, wow! Then I broke it again. No, oh, the same one. Same one. You same broke spot. your stick. The first time, not the stick. The stick doesn't break. The, okay. the bone breaks. Yeah. But the first time I sparred, and I was wearing shin pads and everything. The first time I sparred, same low kick, same everything. Oh my. Uh, then it took me another 10, 12 months. So it took me about a year and a half, uh, a little bit more to properly heal. Oh. And then I started fighting three years and four months later. So I was out for three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. 
It wow, was, bro. That, that must have been That's for a awful. champion or like, like, I want to go back in the ring. I want to get there. That must be really frustrating in a way of like, come on here, but also, finally. It also kind of makes you legendary as well, though. Oh, champion! God! You know, it's an amazing story. And now you come back, road, you break it yeah. again. Ah! You know? But... So, pretty wild. I'll tell you, the worst thing about breaking a leg was really not, it was in the middle of my, that was at the peak of my career. Yeah. And um, getting through such a traumatic injury, I didn't fight for three and a half years. Remember, I was a professional fighter. Hmm. If I can't fight, I can't make money. Yes, what you going to do? <laughs> it's not like I have a dojo yeah. <laughs> or at the time. Yeah. Plus, I just left Kyokushin to break away and do my own thing. And... Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that was the hardest part of it. It was really that there was no finance and all the money was gone. I, and yeah. I felt also through fame and, and fortune, uh, um, I had some really cool fans uh, somehow that ended up like sponsoring me and oh, helping me through hard times and stuff that's like that. Lovely. Yeah, it's really, it's really amazing. I really think that um, Japan has been really good to me. Yeah. Good man, that's lovely. Yeah. So. You break your shin, you break it again, but later on you fight a dude who's 217 centimeters tall? Yeah. So this man is, he was called the Korean giant, wasn't he, or something like that? Yeah, so he's, I don't know if you know, um, uh, well, Japanese sumo, right? They, they start from over here, boom, and then they fight. Yeah. Uh, in Korean sumo, they, they start by holding on, yeah. on the uh, the thing, it's called shidum. And so uh, he's the champion of that. Oh, he was a shidum champion. Yeah. yeah. I see, yeah. okay, all right. And so he came in, and he was just huge. Like, 2 meters 17 this is crazy. That gigantism condition mm -hmm. when you get your jaw very, gets very huge tall, and you grow huge. really tall. So he was, oh, wow. he'd come into the ring, and he'd just, like, step over the ropes. He would just, he's this gigantic man. I swear to God, the first time I saw him, I was like, dude, this is this is, this is is oh, nuts. Like, wow. he was up here somewhere. Again, yeah. it sounds like yeah. the stuff out of anime. It sounds like an anime, doesn't it? it that fight, like... actually, when we were with Chris Brobb, we might talk about it next time, yeah. we showed it to Ludwig, and he was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like an anime. Tell me about the fight. How did the fight go? The fight went according to my plan. Uh, funny thing is, uh, snapping my shin taught me how to kick so you don't snap your shin. Okay, good, good, <laughs> good, 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 good. Uh, good. Which, is, which is, a. Uh, for me, I invented something I call a double O kick. Uh, so uh, what happens if you're fighting, to keep it super simple, if you're kicking on to kick on his thigh and someone blocks it, you pull it up, right? If you then put your leg down, as they also put it down because it's a natural reaction, they block and put it down, and then the second one. Mm. So it was a low one on a calf kick. So I'd calf cool. kick the guy, and then if you put his leg down properly, I would just double kick it. Ah, uh, cool. And that would hit every, every time. So the plan was against um, this guy. I was like, okay, I'm going to, he's going to be tall. Really tall. So if, if I had to fight someone down here, what would I not like? What could I probably not be so happy with? I, and it would probably be really fast kicks, right? This was my theory. Yeah. And then if I was that big, what would I do? I was like, I was just trying to muscle him around and knee yeah. him in the head, like mm -hmm. just rough him up, right? Yeah. Exactly that's what happens in the fight. He comes in, tries to knee me around and muscle me around, and I just try and like keep tapping him. So I tap, 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 and then you move, tap, tap, move, tap. Protect yourself. Don't look down. Or he was going to kick in the head right. Anyway, get to right at the end of the first round, and I drop him with one low kick. Oh, cool. And then he comes back out for the second round. And I was like, dude, I'm going to – I got you now. Like, I know it. It's, it's just a <clears throat> question of time. But you don't want to injure yourself. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm moving around, being smart about it. And he was so tall that at that time I hadn't even wrapped my hands. You're oh, wearing boxing God. gloves, but normally you wrap your hands to protect it mm -hmm. so that it doesn't break. But I was like, there's no way I can box him. He's too tall. Forget uh, about it. Don't wrap my hands. So I just put on the gloves to keep my hands light. Um, then uh, I, I get a high kick in. I actually also got him with an axe, but I got a high kick in. And then he does a jab. And I remember I slipped the jab. And then I, I got him on the chin. 
Oh, cool. With an overhand, like, kind of crazy Hail Mary kind of punch. Uh. So I got him in the chin, and I was like, oh, I got him. And then you just see this un- bang, like bang, flurry bang. of punches. And then he just falls like a slow giant. Uh, he would have been, been like a like a tree falling. It was oh, crazy. Wow. He just, like, slowly crumbled and laid oh, down. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. yeah. You Hang on. You kicked him in the head. Yeah. He's 217 centimeters tall. Yeah. I, I right. actually bet one of my call I had 10,000 yen on that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. We are certainly over time we on this episode. Yeah. Time, but there's more. We want to hear more. more. There's about. so much more to talk about. So we will see you again on the next episode. Thank R- you real so quick, much. Real quick, where do people find you on the internet? Uh, junk Food Japan. Nicholas Pettis also has a Junk Food Janakte. Uh, the Tokyo Show. The Tokyo, the Tokyo so, Show. The Tokyo Show. Yeah, that's Tokyo basically, show. you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Okay, and but Junk yeah. Food Japan. Junk Food Japan is my main channel on um, about food. Uh, and then uh, the Tokyo Show is about martial arts, basically. Okay, cool. And you're at Nicholas underscore Pettis and just Nic- Nicholas Pettis? Uh, Nicholas Pettis right, underscore. Cool. What are you on the internet? Uh, Kathy Cat Underbar TV. I am. I'm still. I'm amazed. I want to hear more. So <laughs> on the next episode of Kathy with Beard, Cat with Beard, we'll hear more. And Lady Beard, Lady Beard underscore Japan. Also my group, Baby Beard underscore Japan. We'll be back very soon with another episode with Nicholas Pettis. And the next Cat with Beard. Us. Us.